So Luke chapter 2. And, you know, as you know, I mean, just going through this chapter here, you see an incredible cast of Christmas, I think you could call it, where you see all the main players, you know, in the Christmas story, right? You think about Christmas and, and that cast of Christmas. You've got Mary, uh, a key component in all of this, a key figure. You've got Joseph, of course, Mary and Joseph, who I'm sure have been at that time experiencing the, the raised eyebrows of society for having this child out of wedlock and the things that they're having to go through, you know, carrying this this child of God, basically, and, and all that they've had to endure through this. It, it tells us that they were assured by an angel that this was of God. It tells us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, angel speaking to Joseph, and, and he says, She will bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 to 33, Mary's told, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So Mary and Joseph, of course, very instrumental characters, players, figures here in this cast of Christmas. But then, of course, you've also got the shepherds, the shepherds who are uncooperative, that don't want to talk when you're trying to have them say things. The shepherds that need some prayer. But they're, here they are, the shepherds. And, and there's that great scene in Luke 2 here of, of the angels coming and, and giving them the call and the announcement that this son has been born right here. You know, the son of God. And, and, and the angels calling as we saw in our improv pageant here today. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So the shepherds come and they're the first, you know, responders in a sense there at the scene of the birth of Jesus as they gather around the manger and they're just in awe and they go back and they tell everybody about this. Then of course... You have another scene with the wise men coming from a long distance away as they're following the star. It tells us, they, they say, Matthew 2, 2, where is he? They're looking for Jesus. Where is he who's been born? King of the Jews. For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. Such a, a, a great line there that their desire is just to come and worship Jesus. So we see these main Characters, this cast of Christmas, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the angels gathering around worshiping, the wise men that come sometime later. But like any good story or movie, you've got the main cast, as we've seen, but then you've also got the background. You've got the, the extra actors that are, are there to fill things in, right? Now, some of you I know have had a, a you know, roles that you've played in, in different, you know, we've got people in our church that have been very involved in the whole um, acting field. My own kids have all taken part in doing background work on, on movies and, and TV shows. And it's been a lot of fun. In fact, just the other day, we were sitting there at home watching uh, something on TV and a commercial pops up with a, an ad for a, a preview for a, a Christmas movie on Hallmark. And we're watching this, and all of a sudden we see my son come, you know, right there skating in the background, right? I mean, there's Jaden hanging out with Candace Cameron Burry. We're like, oh, that's so cool. But, you know, he's just background. He's not, he's not part of the main cast, right? He doesn't even look like he's too happy to be there, in fact. But it's like just background. Nobody's, nobody's pampering me, he's thinking. But so 
there they are, the, the background workers in a sense. Now, the Christmas story is no different because we've seen the main characters, the real cast of Christmas, but there's some background people that typically get overlooked and yet there's some things that we can learn from them regarding this first Christmas. And their names are Simeon and Anna. Now, I like this because these are two people that may have seemingly been overlooked. They're background people. They're not the ones that everybody is focused on. They don't make it into any nativity scene. You don't look at any nativity scene and go, oh, who are those two people? Oh, that's Simeon and Anna. No, they're not there, right? They're not there. They're not a part of the nativity scene. But here we read about them in God's word. Listen, it's, it's a reminder in and of itself that God never neglects or passes by those that might feel that they're just in the background. And it can be easy to feel that way, can't it? Especially this time of year. Like, maybe you're thinking, God doesn't really know what I'm going through. He doesn't know my struggles or my pains. God isn't concerned with me when there's so many other people to be focused on. But I want you to rest assured that God knows you. He sees you. He's concerned about you. He's not overlooking you, but he wants you to know the intimate love that he has for you right now, right where you are. Now, now, Simeon and Anna, they've been in a place of waiting. They've been waiting for the promises of God to be realized, for them to come through. It's not been an easy road for, for them, I'm sure. And yet, these two background people get to see the wonderful fulfillment of what God has been preparing throughout the ages. And they get to be some of the first proclaimers of this glorious breakthrough that we're going to be looking at here today. And and here's what we're going to be looking at as we go through a few of these verses here. We're going to see Simeon's reassurance. We're going to see Simeon's recognition, Simeon's revelation, and then Anna's rejoicing. That's what we're going to be looking at here with these two background people. So first of all, look at Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And here's what we read. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, we don't know much about this man, Simeon. Nothing else is mentioned about him other than what's here in Luke chapter 2. Now, many believe that he was an old man at this point. Because... We see this promise that he's not going to see death until he sees the Lord's Christ. So many believe that he was already at a well-advanced age, which is why that promise is given. Listen, don't worry. You're not going to be passing on. He's almost like he's waiting for it. You're not going to die until you see the Lord's anointed. Now, tradition tells us that he was 113 years old. We don't get that from the scriptures. We can't be hard and fast on that. But it seems that this was an old man who's been waiting, who's been waiting He's a patient man. And he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, waiting is a hard thing to do, isn't it? We don't like waiting. We live in a, we live in a time where everything can be so instant. And, and we kind of get conditioned now that we want things now. We don't want to wait. What? Your shipment is going to take two days? I want it now. I want to get off the phone and have the doorbell ringing as soon as I hang up that the package is here, right? I mean, we got apps now that we can just order everything. As you're driving to the restaurant, you can, no, you don't, you don't order when you're driving. You, you pull over and then you get your phone, you order. So that when you get to the restaurant or you get to Starbucks, your cup of coffee is sitting there on the counter waiting for you. You just have to walk in, grab it, walk out, right? It's easy. We don't like to wait. Waiting is a, is a hard 
thing to do. Remember when you were a kid waiting for Christmas? Think about that. Yeah, right? He's, Dennis is still like that. He's having a hard time. He's like, hurry up with this message. I want to get home and look at what's under the tree. We don't like waiting for Christmas. Uh, yeah, he's shaking the present. Don't do that, Dennis. But we don't like waiting, right? And, and, and remember that, you know, as a child, you're going to bed Christmas Eve. Remember how painful that was. It just felt like it was an eternity. You can't sleep. You're so excited for Christmas morning. You just can't wait and you just can't sleep. And then it feels it just drags on and on. We don't, we don't like waiting. Waiting is a hard thing to do. But here's Simeon and it tells us he's waiting for that first Christmas, that moment when Jesus, the light of the world, is going to transcend into the darkness of humanity. Now, we don't know how long he's been waiting, but here's what we read about Simeon, is that he's a just and devout man. In other words, he's been faithful. He's been true to this time of just waiting for the promise. He's been faithful. He's not complaining. He's not giving up. He's just waiting patiently. And he's, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's kind of an odd way of writing what he's waiting for. But that, that word consolation, as we think of it oftentimes, we think of it as you know, a consolation prize, which means you didn't get the big one. You didn't get what you were really wanting, but here's a consolation prize. Here's runner-up for you. You didn't really make it, but here's something that might be a little bit of comfort to you. See, that's the idea of this word here. Essentially, it's not you didn't get what you want. It's the idea of comfort. He's waiting for the comfort of Israel. He's waiting for the comforter, ultimately. In fact, this was a term that was applied for the Jews, uh, you know, title for Messiah, that they were waiting for, the comforter. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the comforter that would come, but Jesus himself was to come and provide comfort for the world in this day. And it's not what so many people are simply looking for. It's a universal need we have to, to be just comforted. People struggle with loneliness, depression, insecurity, emptiness, and it only gets ramped up at this time of year, sadly. But Simeon has been waiting for this comfort. And he's about to taste of it, to see it, to experience this comfort. He's reassured that you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ. Which is, is meaning God's Messiah, God's promised one, God's Anointed one, that's, that's what that word Christ means. We oftentimes look at, you know, Jesus Christ as being, you know, his first and his last name. You know, Mr. Christ, right? No, that's not the last name. Christ is his title. It means that he's been the long-awaited for, promised one of God. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah, the very one that's going to fulfill the promises of God. And that's what Simeon's been waiting for and promised that he's not going to die until he sees the Lord's Christ, the the Messiah, the Deliverer, the one that's going to set people free from their sins. And so we see the Spirit now working in Simeon's life, it tells us. He's not being passed by. He's not pushed deeper into the background. He's targeted now with a wonderful assurance and promise. And it's the same promise given to all of us. Because Jesus came into the world, it's a promise of seeing Jesus and partaking of his salvation. See, here's the reality, guys, for us, is that nobody's pushed aside. Nobody is, is relegated to the background or out of reach from God's grace and blessings coming in, being showered down upon you because it's why Jesus came into this world, 
was to demonstrate God's love, was to come and do this work of, of redemption for each and every one of us, to, to set us free, to provide and fulfill all the promises that God has for us in forgiving us of our sin and bringing us into new life in him. Jesus came to do that for all of us. Nobody gets, gets pushed aside. Simeon, been a faithful, just devout man. Not forgotten, not relegated to the background. God focuses in on him and records this for us in his word. In fact, it's interesting because Jesus himself, he ultimately came to the very background of society. He didn't come in a way that you would think would be fitting for the son of God, the king of kings to come, which you'd think would come with a lot of pomp, pomp and, and pizzazz and, and, and be born in a you know, kingly mansion. That's not the way Jesus came. He came kind of out in the background. In a, in a place that was for animals. Placed in a manger. A feeding trough for these animals. I mean, he came, in a sense, breaking through the very background of society. And he came in this world to bring that comfort to, to you and to me. And then we see Simeon's recognition here. Look at verse 27. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the Christ Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in the arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So Simeon is now led to the temple by the Spirit right at the time when Joseph and Mary happened to be bringing their newborn child in to fulfill the requirements that were upon them in the child here uh, of the law. Now, Simeon may have easily had a lot of questions, right? About, well, who, who is the Christ ultimately going to be? How am I going to recognize him? Where do I need to be to meet him? How is this all going to happen? I mean, wouldn't you have a lot of questions if, if God, God is simply assures you, listen, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's anointed. Well, you'd be thinking, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling close to death, so how is this all going to work out? What do I need to do to make this happen? Wouldn't we all be kind of thinking, how is this, what's all the details? But, but Simeon, as far as we know, is just continuing on to be faithful, patient, going about his service of the Lord. And at just the right time, here's God at work. Here's God in control of all things. Simeon's being led by the Spirit. Maybe he doesn't even know it. And, and here's Mary and Joseph come walking in now to fulfill the law, and suddenly they meet. God, you see, is moving all these things together to accomplish his purposes and his plans. Perhaps you're wondering here, when is, when is God going to do or fulfill his work in my life? Or, or how is he going to carry out his purposes in me? Maybe you don't always sense or know or, or feel the leading of the Lord in your life. And you can doubt if anything positively is going to happen to you. But what we see here is God at work. Moving all things. We don't, there's no word to Simeon saying, Hey Simeon, go to the temple. Today's the day you're going to see Jesus. He just goes. And God's at work. Bringing all these things together. How we need to just be faithful. How we need to just continue on serving the Lord. And trust and know that God's working out his purposes and his plans. In ways that we oftentimes don't even see and realize. And he just brings these people together at just the right time. 
You don't have to steer things. You don't have to, you don't have to try to lead and, and, and make things happen. You just need to be faithful to serve the Lord and allow him to bring these things together as he's doing here so faithfully. Now, what gets me in this story is that Simeon has been waiting, waiting for the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the one that's going to fulfill all the promises of God. Remember, it's been a difficult time here in Simeon's day. The nation of Israel hasn't really heard from God in a prophetic way for hundreds of years. Rome has now come in and taking, taken over the Israel's lost their political independence and now are living in some fear of Rome and, and leaders like Herod, King Herod. So Simeon's probably thinking, we're going to need a pretty big leader to come in. And, and that's what they were expecting with the Messiah, that the Messiah would come in and, and overthrow Rome's power and lead Israel into independence as a nation again, that, that the Messiah would be a very political leader, a mighty big leader that they're expecting but what does Simeon do? He comes in and he sees Mary and Joseph with a baby. Right? A baby, what does he do? He picks up this baby and he begins to sing. And he, and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now I'm able to go in peace because now I've seen the promised one. And you're thinking, what? I mean, if that was me, I'd be walking and going, Lord, you got to be kidding me. Surely this isn't who you're expecting here. This is a baby. What good is this going to do us? It's like asking God, saying, God, I need, a, I need a car. My car is broken down. I need to get from point A to point B. Lord, I need a car. And God says, awesome. I'll help you out. Here's a steering wheel. You know, thanks God, but what's that going to do? How's that going to help me? How's that going to get me from point A to point B? You see, Simeon could be looking at this baby and thinking the same thing. How is this going to, how is this one going to be the one that's going to overthrow Roman rule and lead us into independence. It's just a baby. But yet Simeon picks up this child and he begins to sing and rejoice. And, and it's the fifth of the Christmas songs that we see in the Gospel of Luke, the fifth and the last one. First one we saw was with Elizabeth and then Mary singing over this child that was promised her and then Zacharias and then the angels. And here now Simeon is joining in this, this Christmas carol, singing forth of what he's witnessing. And what does Simeon sing? That he can now go in peace because he's seen the Lord's salvation. How wonderful. That word depart in peace, when he says that, depart in peace, it's the idea of like, like you know, setting sail. Where it's like a, a boat, a ship has been anchored down or, or tied to dock. And now to depart, it's like you're releasing it. You're releasing it. That's like kind of what Simeon's realizing. It's like, man, I don't have to be anchored down to this life any longer. I can depart in peace and really set sail and, and experience freedom now. That's what he's expecting in, in eternal life. That the Lord has promised and given and provided through the salvation that Simeon is saying. You've allowed me now to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That would be provided through this child jesus that's amazing and and the very fact that jesus it's the very reason why jesus came to this world was to provide the salvation for us he came and humbled himself took on on humanity i mean think about what jesus went through for he he allowed himself to come as a baby and be picked up by this old man picked up and sung over 
I mean, Jesus, you could be thinking, man, if only you knew, I'm the one that made you, man. I made you. I'm, I'm from eternity. And here you are, just don't think of me as just a baby that you're picking up. Like, I'm the creator here. I mean, Jesus subjected himself. He could have come as just a fully grown man. So I'm bypassing all this baby stuff. But he came and took on the fullness of humanity and went through every aspect of humanity that, that we ourselves go through to identify with us, to become like us so that he could do this work for us. Jesus came to provide that salvation that we could not provide for ourselves. Matthew one twenty one says, And she will bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the very mission of Jesus, to save us from our sins. And, and coming in a right relationship with God now, through the forgiveness of sins, knowing that forgiveness that's provided by the grace of God, it's the only thing that brings peace. Simeon says that, you're, now you're letting your servant depart in peace, because now Simeon has seen the salvation of the Lord provided through this person, Jesus Christ. And it's the only way that we're going to experience peace. So many people, Christmas time becomes this season of peace. Listen, Christmas doesn't provide peace for you. Hanging out with family doesn't always provide peace for you. Sometimes it's quite the opposite. I pray it's not for you this year. But these things don't provide peace for us. Peace is only realized through Jesus Christ and being now in a right and reconciled relationship with God through the forgiveness of sins that Jesus provides for us. It's the only way that we will know peace. And, and Simeon doesn't question any of this. Right? He's not wondering about all this, questioning any of this. He simply says at the end of verse 29 that this is all according to your word. You see at the end of verse 29? This is according to your word. Sometimes we miss out on experiencing that peace of God because we fail to take God at his word. And he's given us wonderful, wonderful promises and encouragement and comfort that is packed in his word. But so oftentimes we look through and we go, Lord, that's not really for me, is it? Oh, I believe that's, that's for some of those people. But that's, that's not what you're saying to me, is it? God, this can't be. And we fail oftentimes to take God simply at his word. And then we, we lack in this peace. We, we forsake Peace and comfort because we fail to just appropriate these truths and promises to us that God has shared with us in and through his word. Simeon had a lot of a lot to question here. How can a little baby save us? What good is he going to do? But Simeon sings and proclaims the goodness of God as he takes God at his word. May this Christmas season for you be an opportunity to see the reality of God's word coming to life and being true and true for you. Not, I'm not talking about your truth. I'm talking about let this truth here be what's true for you. Because everything we see about Christmas has been prepared for you. That's what we see here. Notice what Simeon says. It says in verse 31, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. That's awesome. In, in other words, this is not something that was just for the people in their day. In Simeon's day, this is not something that was just for the nation of Israel. This is for all people. It's a divine gift that God is giving us, this gift of salvation. And God has prepared Jesus to be the Messiah, to be a light which would bring revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon's saying that to, to basically explain that it's for the whole world. And remember how Jews felt about Gentiles in that day. 
Gentiles were unclean. They were a bad bunch of people. The Jews had no dealings with Gentiles. But Simeon here, in this understanding of who Jesus is, says this is going to be a, a light. A, a light and, uh, to bring revelation to the whole world. Not just to the Jews, but to Gentiles, to everybody. Now, after seeing Simeon respond this way, Joseph and Mary are, are just kind of left in amazement, I'm sure. They're, they're still processing all that's going on just in, in having this newborn child. Now, to hear such exuberance from a man like Simeon leaves quite a, a stir in their hearts. It says in verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. But then we see this revelation now of Simeon. This revelation of Simeon here in verse 34, it says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fallen rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce your or through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, this is an incredible prophecy that that Simeon speaks forth that I'm sure neither he nor Joseph and Mary knew the magnitude of its truth. Jesus truly came to bring light and salvation, but his coming would also sadly bring a division. See, many would fall, and yet many would rise because of him. Those that received him would rise to eternal life. Those who denied and rejected him would fall to the lowest depths, and there's only two positions to take. There's no neutral ground here when it comes to Jesus. And it was that way through Jesus' ministry. Even right to the end there on the cross, when he's between two criminals. One accepts him, one continues to deny him. One is with Jesus for eternity, the other is not. And you see, the key in that is simply, have you accepted Jesus as your savior? See, we oftentimes look at Christmas and we, we think of Jesus there in the manger. He came great as a little child, but have we comprehended that this is the means of salvation? He came to provide salvation for us. And it's through my acceptance of Jesus, not just as, you know, a son of God that came into the world, not just a baby in the manger, but your acceptance of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And by doing so, you're, you're acknowledging your need for saving. You're acknowledging your own sinfulness that's gotten in the way of your relationship with God, that's ultimately cut you off from God. The difference between rising and falling is have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Not, have you believed that Jesus came in the world and was born in a, in a stable place in a manger? Not, not accepting or just acknowledging that Jesus came in the world and took on humanity. It's, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? As your Lord? As the one that forgives you your sin? That's the difference there. That's what brings that, that, that rising and that lifting up to eternal life for those that believe and then of course Simeon has hard words from Mary that listen a a sword is going to pierce through your own soul also and no doubt it did as Mary is sitting at the cross and seeing her son being crucified giving his life as a ransom so that we could have our sins forgiven our 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 penalty paid as we've been going through the Gospel of John on Sundays, we've, we've seen there that, that agony that Mary must have had there watching her son. That She's not just looking up at, at, at Jesus. Besides, she's looking up at the one that she's 
had a part in, in raising that she's been with his whole life. No doubt a, a sword was piercing through her own soul to see just the, the pain of a mother experiencing what Jesus would go through. And Simeon allows her to see and realize that this child is, is born for a purpose. And that is to go to the cross, to pay the ultimate price, to become a sacrifice for our, our forgiveness of sin. Something we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus did that for us. Well, the next background person that comes on the scene is, is Anna. We don't know much about her except what we read in these three verses here in Luke's gospel. And yet, like Simeon, she's given a precious privilege of seeing and recognizing Jesus, the newborn king. Look at verse 36 with me. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Interesting. So Anna is a person that hasn't had it easy. All right. She was married for seven years and then her husband passed away. Says that she's been a widow for 84 years. Now, if she was married at the common age of being married in that day, which was 13, as many of you gasp and go, wow, that's crazy. But that was a common age to be married at that time. So she's married at 13. If my math does me correct, which it rarely does, she's about 104 years old at this time. Think about that. She's lived a, a long life and it's been a, a difficult life. But yet, what has she been doing? She's been faithfully committing herself to serving God in the temple with fastings and prayers night and day. You'd think that Anna would have every reason and excuse to be bitter. Widows didn't have it easy in that day. It was a hard life to be a widow in this day. She's known some sorrow. And sorrow can do one of two things. It, it can make you hard and bitter and resentful toward God. Or it can make you softer, more kinder, and more reliant on God. And Anna's chosen the latter. She's committed herself to God. Instead of her faith being robbed during difficulty, her faith has become even more rooted deeply in God through this time. And now Anna, after all these years of faithful service, is being greatly rewarded. I want you to catch that. She's being blessed abundantly. Because she comes to the temple, again, at just the right time. Again, Anna is being led of the Lord. She's been faithful in her service to the Lord. And here now, in just another, what she would think is a regular day, I'm going to go to the temple serve the Lord. She happens to come at just the time that Mary and Joseph just so happened to come at that time, when Simeon just so happened to come at the time, as he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel, as Simeon is picking up this child and singing, Anna just so happens to come on scene at that time. Isn't God good? Isn't God wonderful in just orchestrating and directing all this to bless this woman who's been a widow of 84 years, who's been faithful in her service to the Lord, and she comes and sees Simeon rejoicing, and I'm sure she's thinking, what are you doing? Whose child is this? He says, I don't know, but man, this is the savior of the world. This is the one that's providing salvation, and Anna just joins in in rejoicing and taking part in this incredible privilege of seeing what God 
has fulfilled. Seeing the very promises of God all culminating in this person of Jesus Christ. They say that good things come to those that wait. Right? At least that's what I tell my kids every Christmas when they don't get what they've been asking for. But with Anna, it's true. Good things come to those that wait. She's been faithful, waiting for God's promise. And now she gets to be in on his arrival. And she too may have thought, I'm nobody special. I'm one of the overlooked and forgotten of society. But God saw her. God cared about her. And God allowed this seemingly background character here to become one of the first witnesses of one of the greatest turning points in history. As she goes out now and knows of others that have been waiting for this redemption and she goes and passes on word. Our redemption has arrived. And it's come in a very interesting package. But it's come nonetheless. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ is here. And she gets to pass on this good, great news. What are you hoping for from God? What have you been maybe patiently waiting for or maybe impatiently been waiting for see christmas we're we're hoping for lots of things oftentimes they're frivolous and unnecessary but i think the better question is what are you in need of today because your greatest need has been fulfilled and provided in and through jesus christ Maybe you identify with Simeon and Anna today where you've maybe felt like you've been on the outskirts, like you've been a background player, so God's not really interested in you or at work in your life. But but be reminded today, God knows and God's in control. And, and, And God loves you and he loves you personally, intimately. Think about that. That this is not just a love for the world in a general sense where his love just, no, he knows you and he cares about you. And he cares about these two people that seemingly were just kind of like background people. And God came in and spoke in their lives and led them to some, and to experiencing just the fulfillment of his promise. Let that sink in and provide hope and peace for you here today. God loves you greatly and he longs for you to experience all that he has for you. And Simeon and Anna are, are just great examples and reminders of that truth here today. This Christmas, receive what God has for you by faith. Keep faithfully serving Him, waiting on Him, taking Him at His word, and rejoice in His promises that are being realized in your life at this time of year. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and let's stand together. And if you're here today and you... You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You've maybe never been one that's taken that step to say, yeah, Jesus, I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Oh, I've, I've heard the story. I know that you've come into the world and I've, I've had a belief in you, but maybe you've never taken that step all the way where you said, Jesus, I need to acknowledge my sin and my need for you. I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. If you're here today and you have not done that before, I want to encourage you, do that. Oh, I can ask for a show of hands. I can, I can lead in a prayer, but that's something that I want you to make that decision for in your life. And it's not something hard. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to do anything special. You just need to simply call out to Jesus. Speak to Jesus. Say, Jesus, 
I need you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior, to forgive me my sin and to be my very life. If you haven't done that before, would you pray that prayer? And I'm going to invite our, our prayer teams, if, if there's any of our prayer teams around, just come and make themselves available in the front. And if you'd like to talk to them about it, come and see them. If you would like prayer today, come and see them. And they'll make themselves available for you and to pray with you here today. Lord, we thank you for this time to hear from you and to be in your word and just be reminded of what the season is all about. Lord, thank you, God, that no matter how we feel, no matter what we might be experiencing in life, Lord, you love us, you care for us, you are involved in our lives and we're, we're so blessed by that. May we take comfort and hope and be at peace here this year because of that truth. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.